You're listening to Spice Radio, 1200 AM's The Morning Buzz, and we are speaking to Margareta Dovgal, Managing Director at Resource Work Society. And this week's topic is an update from Ottawa, a committee study into North America's energy transformation and a new speaker for the House of Commons, plus what triggered it. Margareta, thank you so much for joining us this morning. As always, a pleasure to be here. Good morning, McCann. Now, quite a week to be in Ottawa, uh, Margareta. So before we dive into the reason, can you get us up to speed on the latest happenings from Parliament? Oh, what a bonkers week it has been uh, from the escalation of a diplomatic conflict with India to the outrage that surrounded the appearance of Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky in Canada's House of Commons. I definitely picked a happening time to be in the nation's capital. On Tuesday, House of Commons Speaker Anthony Rota resigned. Uh, this followed a fairly controversial choice to celebrate an elderly veteran of World War II who is a Canadian citizen. He was recognized as a Ukrainian nationalist who fought against the Russians in World War II. Following remarks by President Zelensky, the veteran was introduced by the Speaker as a Canadian hero, a Canadian, a Ukrainian hero as well, and he said, we thank him for his service. And that was followed by a standing ovation and applause from all of the MPs there. And of course, in this era of uh, intense Russo skepticism or Russophobia, that should be fine, right? Not so fast. It's important to remember who the Russians were fighting in the first place in World War II, and of course, that's the Nazis, uh, which uh, Russia did as part of a great alliance with uh, powers like the United States, United Kingdom, and Canada. And it turns out this man was voluntarily enlisted in the Waffen-SS Galicia Division, also known as the SS 14th Waffen Division. Uh, the Polish government, uh, since this came to light, actually has made a bid to extradite uh, him so he can be tried in Poland for crimes that this division committed against Pol- Polish civilians. Um, so quite a controversy coming out of that. And these decisions are usually made by staff. Uh, our speaker is always an elected MP. This man came from his constituency. So it's not too hard to guess what prompted that. But nevertheless, he has apologized and resigned for the error. So now they're looking for a new speaker. And uh, I'm curious to see who that ends up being and uh, how long their term lasts. Uh, but unfortunately, this incident is only going to help feed Russia's claims that Ukraine today, not historically, but today as well, is a hotbed of Nazi-aligned nationalism. Uh, so in that sense, a very damaging mistake. And of course, as someone who's both Russian and Ukrainian, the whole situation continues to grieve me. I just want you know, the conflict and also the animosity in diaspora communities that it has cultivated. So why did you end up in the nation's capital this week anyways? Well, I got a call to lend my voice to a natural resources uh, committee study on North America's energy transformation. And I've definitely mentioned this before, the U.S. right now is throwing boatloads of money, public and private, behind positioning the United States economy to come out in the strongest possible position from the energy transition. The U.S. is an expert at uh, coming out on top, and uh, of course they would approach uh, climate action in exactly the same form. Of course, we need to fight to transition. Uh, we need to transition to fight climate change. Uh, but the how of how we do that transition is both costly and comes with necessary sacrifices. So the question for Canada is how we can retain relative strength and economic productivity in this time of change, both here in the U.S. and around the world. And I made the point that we are in trouble indeed if we can't ensure there are most economically productive industries, that is to say natural resources, oil and gas, forestry, mining, clean technologies, clustered around those industries can attract investment to innovate and to continue to produce clean products that the world needs. Uh, clear policy support, strong signals from government are key to that. 
And as I said in committee, the most resilient policy possible on climate is the kind that keeps the voting public on side by meaningfully engaging with concerns people have about affordability and jobs. And you don't get there by alienating chunks of the population by saying, you know, we will take symbolic stances and then having that progress reversed if there is a change of government. And that was certainly something that came up in the committee discussions. Uh, I felt it was a lively, uh, fulsome debate and uh, left me with a lot of interesting insights uh, about the trends happening globally, where Canada's relative strengths are, and what our path to success should look like now. And besides your testimony, what were your main takeaways on what transpired in committee? It's clear that, as I said in my remarks, politicization and polarization continue to be big issues. And that was very much on display in terms of how questions were posed to me and other witnesses. Uh, we represented a pretty broad range of organizations. And, of course, I always admired the strategies employed by block MPs and their questions to witnesses, having been on the receiving end of that one once before um, on a study related to mining uh, overseas. Uh, Mario Samar, the block MP, asked witnesses whether they support decarbonization, whether they support clean energy. He did so in a very beautifully orchestrated uh, series of yes-no questions um, and I, I couldn't help but uh, jump in with a little bit of nuance. Yes, we could all agree that we need to decarbonize the atmosphere, that is to say what we're putting into the atmosphere, which leads to climate change. But as I said in my response to him, climate change and emissions know no borders, and it's not a matter of killing carbon feedstocks, um, that is to say the products uh, that Canada is actually quite good at producing, things like natural gas that we can use to make green, sorry, blue hydrogen, um, which we can export as ammonia to the rest of the world when that becomes a fuel that is in demand at a very, very high quantity and volume globally. Um, it's the emissions that enter the atmosphere that we need to address. And we know we can do that while still making use of the things that we excel at producing, like oil and natural gas products. Uh, these are industries that are considered emissions-intensive trade exposed. Um, so given that we are, as I said, a small open economy, we're a trading nation, there's a lot of work that needs to go into ensuring that decisions we make here domestically or how we fight climate change in Canada don't actually put Canada on the back foot for the future. Uh, we don't want to see our population really, really suffer under not only global affordability pressures, but relative economic deprivation that comes as a result of the wrong policy choices. So that's the message I took to Ottawa, and I certainly hope it's one that landed. Mm-hmm. Margareta, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. You too, and Karen. All the best.